Uh, no, just about the hockey. Because, uh, you know, I had never seen a, the first time I saw a hockey game was actually in Europe, uh, specifically in uh, in Prague, Czech Republic. Because I didn't know at the time that um, I guess the NHL does like Europe tours or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, and I still don't quite understand why or how, but they, they, there they were nonetheless. And I think it was the uh, Milwaukee and some other fucking, some other white state. I don't know. They're, they're almost <laughs> there, somewhere out there. But they're here in Europe, back in their homeland, I guess, in Caucasia. So they're there playing. And um, so I, I told my, oh, this is why in the army, army, by the way. So I had my, like, my, the, uh, well, the, the, the boss, the single soldiers outing things so we could like not go crazy and kill ourselves. So we could like do actual stuff in society. So I was there with them. And um and I told my I told my colleagues that I this is my first hockey game. So we we we, we, we the game starts and you know it's a full on real ass regular hockey game. Like it wasn't like a exhibition for the year. No, it was like hockey. Like it was like it counted towards the standings or whatever the fuck. So then the uh, the first segment ends. And then I shouted out, I just got my first period. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so the thing was later on, um, we had kind of asked around the local populace because, you know, like a lot of European countries, they do uh, the, a good amount of populace is fluent in basic English. So we asked around and we were like, um, basically, why are you guys here? Like, like, why are you guys hockey fans? And I guess it being in Prague and like the one of the motherlands of beer, where beer is literally cheaper than water, they the entry we got was basically uh, it was an excuse to drink, <laughs> which I guess is in reality is the same reason we do it, but we never say that. <laughs> it's always like stats and to coaches and, and the players. No, no, fuck all that shit. Yeah, you had to see a fight and get fucked up, <laughs> but they were just more honest about it. So that's my my hockey story. <laughs> so wow, I'm, I mean, follow, it, I'm a fan. <laughs> it, it's a it's a lot i mean it's not the same sport but it's why i just haven't been watching that many movies the last uh week especially the the nba playoffs have been so entertaining and uh and and you know i'm, I'm obviously a celtics fan but then i live right next to the lakers and I, I like old man lebron just being like fuck them kids energy like i fucking <laughs> i love it like I, I i saw this guy's first year my my senior year in college so when i see him out there Fucking like like reverse dunking on twenty year olds and being like flexing and saying fuck you. I'm just like, it feels a lot like us yelling at the kids that like uh, the new Transformers more than Bay. Like, <laughs> 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 That's the little broad energy, like just fuck them kids. He's just and then he's, you know, yeah, thing, like, you know people like uh, there's all the, all the the conversation or the argument of is LeBron the goat now? It, it, has he surpassed Jordan? And he couldn't do that. Until he got Jordan's fucked up kids energy. Like, you have to reach that level of, like, fuck all of y'all. I'm a crazy narcissist. And this is, yeah. how, this is how the game is. He's got one foot. He's in year 20. And he's still, like, any. you. I mean, I, I've been watching them since he moved to L.A. a lot. Because it's the only games that are on when I'm ready to sit down and watch something. Like, they, the games are, are so great on the West Coast because they play late. And you're like, oh. So, I, I've, I've been watching him. And he coats. He takes time off. But then you, it's like you see, it's just like watching Eastwood and like, and, uh, you know, Unforgiven. It's like, all right, it's the third act. I'm going to kill everybody now. And you're like, yeah, it's very, it's very old man action movie type of performances. Yeah. If only his actual movies could be as good as his core performances because Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love you, Vern, but House Party, new, new House Party. Oh my God. <laughs> 
I did not watch it. I did not watch it. It was not high on my uh, on my queue. Um, but you know, it's very funny. My wife, uh, you know, um, man, there's so much Russo's things to to get into. But my wife's like, hey, I started watching this new show, Citadel. I love it. <laughs> I'm just like, I've heard nothing but negative shit on this thing online. And she's like, oh, it's 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 really action. I was like, did you like it better than Night Agent? And she's like, yeah, well, they're different. Night Agent was like a really good thriller, but Citadel was like like blockbuster action. I was like, okay, interesting. I was like, people are just fucking smoking it online. And she's like, why? I was like, ah, those guys do really bad fucking interviews. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Although, to, to that point, though, it's interesting to see the um, to see the algorithm and the constructions work on normies. Like, my wife was watching, we watched both The Night Agent and Citadel. And uh, Night Agent is just a good CBS looking ass show. Like, it's, but like, the good ones, like, the reason they're popular, they're popular for a reason. People, like, they grab people. And yeah. Them. But then Citadel, I don't think she heard anything about this movie, this show at all. She just saw um, Priyanka and the guy from that, that white guy. Like, she just saw them on the streaming bar and pushed play. Like, that was the algorithm in action. Like, she had no context, no clue. It was pretty looking people and vaguely mysterious. Same, same. So, she had she had no word of mouth of it whatsoever and just enjoyed it on its own terms. And I was like, <laughs> very interesting. Richard Madden, Richard Madden does look like an AI white guy. <laughs> you're like give me handsome white actor it's just like <laughs> mushing together like tom cruise and brad pitt's faces to be richard madden yeah he, he and sebastian stan are virtually indistinguishable to me i like they they are like they might as well be brothers like they need to play brothers in a movie and, and I, I like stan stan is good he's like he can do good stuff like i, when, like, when he, I like madden too actually the the best of the Disney live action remakes is Cinderella that he stars in with, uh, with Lily James. And uh, he's fucking terrific in it. He's amazing. Oh, wow. um, that that was before they realized it was a cash cow. So they actually like made it as an actual movie. Yeah. And it's, it's different. And it, it, it yeah, it, I agree. It, it's, it's a Brana. Like, it's just like a normal production. It's not trying to like have like wink your way into, into selling all these toys and stuff. It, yeah. It definitely, definitely feels different than Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Or just doing the like, kind of like shot for shot remake thing that like they did with the Lion King, you know, which was right. what a soulless slog that movie was. Um What the fuck was that? Your sister has turned into a zombie. What the fuck was that? Your girlfriend was a demon too. What the fuck was that? She just ripped my pre-ripped Abercrombie. What the fuck was that? I got some Shelly on my shoe. Ew. What darkness lurks beyond this wooden sanctum? What the fuck was that? Dude, these hoes been zombified. I cannot stay here anymore. I'm getting out of here. No, we cannot leave. Linda's ankle won't make it, I fear. I cannot stay. I killed my lay. I must go now. You can't go now. I must. You can't. I must. You can't. Bitches up for blood. I can't take this anymore. We don't even know if there's a way back except for that down road right now. I'll find a road where I'll flag down a van. Just listen to me. No, I Linda won't. can't walk. It's time to cannot go. Cannot hike. Can't.
can't even stand Then we'll leave her That's our brand new plan What the fuck was that? Now I'll put an end to this vacation What the fuck was that? Scott, don't leave me all alone Necronomicon, the book of the dead The chant, the chant, the chant's gone What the fuck was that? It's the evil dead Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's Action for Everyone for this year, April 30th, 2023. We are coming to you a little bit late uh, this week because, well, we adjusted our schedule hoping for a guest and the guest is proving to be elusive. So we will we will table that and we will come back to that hopefully soon. But uh, I am here, as always, your host, Mike Scott, and Vice Victus is here. Vice, how are you today? Now, look, listeners, people, friends, lovers, y'all know the deal. We don't need guests. We love having guests. It brings us honor and prestige to share with you the insights of the film community. But we know why you're here. You're here for the bullshit. You, you, we're here for the, for the nonsense. We have that in spades. Whether it be one hour or three hours, it's all good, baby. Whether online, here in person, on the mic, it's all good. So once again, good to see you guys. Good to be here. <laughs> and Liam O'Donnell is here as well. Liam, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I had a, uh, a daddy daughter dance, uh, although I know that the naming of it's changed slightly because everyone's welcome. But I went to the daughter dance uh, <laughs> with uh, with uh, my my uh, Ruby and Pearl last night. And uh, and that was uh, quite adorable. We we had a very special night dressed up. I took him to Shake Shack beforehand, uh, which is uh, delightful. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm coming in. I I, I had a. I, Came back and had a little edible before bed and ended up sleeping nine hours and I didn't feel better. Didn't feel better. Slept too much. We've had, we've talked about this on Twitter before. Um, so I feel hungover from sleep, but just went on a bike ride uh, around the beach. And yeah, like uh, like Mike said, some guests, uh, which are, are friends of mine that are proving to be harder to book than um, Neil Marshall and John Himes, but that's fine. Yeah, uh, literally, Hyams, I was like, hey, you want to come on this podcast? And he was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do that. How about, and I'm like, how about Sunday? And he's like, perfect. Yeah. I'll see you then. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll get Scott Atkins in, in five minutes. You know, we want to text him right now. He'll be on. But uh, <laughs> apparently my buddies, they take uh, they take weeks to, uh, to wrangle. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm more than happy to be here with you guys and uh, talking bullshit. I did I did a little podcast this week uh, with a friend Dan Benamore, and at the end he was like, "Oh, and tell him about Action for Everyone." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm with Mike Scott and Vice Vice Victus, and we just bullshit a lot." I, I, that, that was my pitch. <laughs> I was actually gonna I was actually gonna lead into that. So you 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 were ahead of me. Uh, I actually just listened to that today. I had to drive. Uh, somewhat far away to pick up something that I bought on Facebook Marketplace, and your dulcet tones entertained me on the way down and back. Um, 
which is funny again because now I have to listen to you again. Uh, but you're so much more interesting when you're not on this show. What? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> interesting to listen to. I'm just kidding. Um, no, but it was great. I always love listening to you talk about the Skyline movies because you would think at this point I feel like I would know everything there is to know about that mo- those movies, and I always learn new stuff every time I hear you uh, on a podcast. So everybody should check it out because it was a great episode. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, Dan, Dan had, I, I like that he had his own questions and that he had obviously just watched them and would kind of ask me specific things about scenes that, you know, I had forgotten about. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was, a, and it was, a, it's efficient. It's not, it's not like our two hour thing. It's like a, it's a, it's a nice quick listen. Yeah. I just, really, I was going to say like, um, I feel like, I, I don't know, we're just kind of going nowhere here. The strength of our podcast that we can like go immediately, like we can publish immediately because you know, like uh top of the hour, you know, news guys, whatever. But like it's so fucking raw and rough. I've been on podcasts myself before. They have like a production team, they have like a that whole gimmick. I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but I have an upcoming podcast sometime in the near future. Um, that has a whole like science background machine going on, and I, <laughs> I gotta gotta play along, which is fun. But like we're just like some assholes in our underwear, <laughs> like it's talking on a microphone, <laughs> but it works. I guess it works, I don't know. You guys listening out here? <laughs> I, I do think that's part of the 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 charm of us is that it's a little bit like I don't know how evergreen we are, but we're we're very much current. So the people that listen to us, it's like every week you want the recap of the bullshit of the week. Um, so yeah, I like it. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that I've been resistant for us to like monetize this because I know that if we're going to monetize it. You know, Patreon's a different thing because that's but like ads and stuff. If we're going to make people listen to ads and stuff, I'm going to have to do a lot more fucking work on the production end. And I ain't doing that, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not. You know, this is at this point now, my editing of this is it downloads from Zoom. I run compressor, normalize, amplify and uh, and then send it out. You know, so it's uh... not it's he's just kidding. It's a proprietary process. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to sell this. Um. All right. Well, let's get into it this week. Um, so we do have a couple of things to talk about. We're going to do, and I forgot to kind of do a rundown before we started on this, but we're going to talk about two trailers. We'll talk about Equalizer and, and uh, Super Robot Monkey. And then uh, I think we'll have Vice get into uh, the Covenant and talk about that. Liam and I will talk about AKA. And then I think so that we're going out on a high, uh, I will wrap us up by talking about Evil Dead Rise. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, whatever other random tracks come up. So first and foremost, Equalizer 3, holy shit, boys, that fucking trailer. Like, when you say, I kill somebody with a gun, that phrase can mean actually so many things if you don't think about it. And clearly, Fuqua and Denzel have thought about that shit. Oh my God, the trailer, this is glorious. Uh, th- th- these movies were tailor-made for me specifically. They were tailor-made for your old black uncle with undiagnosed PTSD and um, unresolved alcohol issues and unresolved white girl issues who needs something to cling on to, uh, to to relive his former glory. If if that's your uncle, if that's me, this is for you. Like it's, he's a part, like, like it's it's like almost a whole subgenre of that action movie, even, but even though still it's a fantastic dad action movie series, you know, the takings and so forth and all the, all the uh, permutations thereof. But, you know, now we have Denzel putting his whole heart and soul in as far as this is like his first, like, one, this Equalizer series was his first sequels and now it's his first trilogy, like, that, like organically so. Like, he's not, like, as in not part of a franchise or whatever. 
this, this is his own, like, this is from his heart and soul. He believes in Rob Call. He, like, he believes in this character. And I, I think I felt that in the previous movies and not now in this new trailer. You're seeing all the, all the, all the, all the glorious murder, but with that heart of, heart of bronze or whatever, heart of a bronze star. I, I, I'm mixing my metaphors here. But point being, yeah, like, I, I, I am so in love with this. I love this trailer. I love this series. I love Uncle Denzel in his final form. Yeah, this is Denzel Washington. Is a great is a generational talent once in a lifetime. Now he's reached his final form as Uncle Denzel. He, he's all powerful, and I, and I cannot wait till this movie comes out in September. Oh yes, Liam, what did you think? You know, I saw you guys freaking out about it, and I said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna wait to watch the movie." Uh, and 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 I also kind of realized I haven't seen part two. The last I've seen of him. He was uh, murdering Dan Blazarian in the fucking Home Depot, <laughs> which which is like one of those things where in indie financing, even in a movie like this, that's like studio, there's still like these guys that will give you money to be in the movie and get killed. And I'm pretty sure that Blazarian kind of did that on a bunch of movies around that time. <laughs> um, so I, I have my work to do. I got to watch part two. And I kind of, I just, I just, sometimes when I see everyone going crazy, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to watch it in the theater. Uh, and, and you know, and I guess to movie. be fair, I should kind of, maybe I'll, 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 uh, blunt this. Out. These are pretty basic movies at the end of the day. Like, I don't want to, they're not, they're not, they're no John Wick. They're, they're no technical masterpieces at all, at all like that level. But like, again, they're like that kind of, just like the pure refined, or refined dad action kind of stuff. This, this so-called conservative action movie template that, you know, Death Wish and so forth, the Bronson kind of era, Lee Marvin, even that, that, that same soul, but it's Denzel and it has that kind of simple old school flavor, but with the, the magnitude of Denzel Washington added onto it. So it's a, it's a very, I think, yeah, I would say unusual kind of mixture, like in the same, in the same way that Neil Leeson makes those dad movies, like, cause he has his own like history and gravitas Denzel's doing that the same way, but it's a whole different, whole different flavor, whole different, you know, whole different animal. Even though it's the same basic structure. So that, all, like, like I was saying, like you know, they're not like super high level action movies, but you know, like these are very. This is a distinct flavor, like a distinct fine whiskey, or whatever, 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 whatever metaphor you want to use. <laughs> well, they they know what they are, and they're not interested in being anything that they're not. What they are interested in being is the best version of what they are. Um, you know, I, I will fully admit, I don't love the first two, um, primarily because a lot of it is because I actually grew up on the Equalizer TV show. And these are these are nothing like the TV show at all. I mean, not even close. They you know, it's literally they just found an IP and uh, and, you know, and, and went with it. But um, they have their they have their joys for sure. Denzel's great. But also, yeah, I, I just I thought the trailer for this one just looked so much there was a lot more in it for me that I enjoyed than, than what I, than the first two movies. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one. And I feel like I need, obviously I still feel like I need to finish out the trilogy anyway. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked for this one. Yeah. And, oh, and by the way, uh, the reunion, I guess, of a uh, PC bear and, and, and Peter, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, Hanning coming back as, or not coming back, but um, she's been cast in part of the movie. So it's kind of a, so soul spiritual reunion of the two greats of of course Tony Scott's rest in peace his his masterpiece Man on Fire and you know and again same thing that 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 this kind of um emotional baggage we talk about of movies you know like like we were talking about before like a 
you got to have like the, with Keanu and John Wick. It's not John Wick isn't doesn't work with anybody else but Keanu because we have a history with him. Same with this. Now we have the history here of you know these two or Denzel plus now her. So yeah, it's, it's all this kind of this strange alchemy alchemy of movies magic. You know that's that's, that's why it works. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, next trailer, big trailer that came out um, is, uh, and, and just so people know, I'll just put this out there right now. Uh, this is sort of my editorial edict. We're not going to be covering The Flash because I don't want to give that movie any more oxygen. Um, and, and especially seeing the way people fell all over themselves this week to ignore the uh, great big Ezra Miller-shaped uh gorilla in the room we're not going to cover the flash so just uh if you want to hear us talk about it sorry so with that being said can, can i make one joke about some of the, the 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 lovely praise for that movie is that it was a going into that you know where people make fun of the rock for his qualifiers on success where he's like number one action adventure comedy in indonesia and you're like all right dude that's like you know you, you put like three different qualifiers on that and it was like everyone's like among the greatest superhero movies ever. Okay, superhero movies. I mean, I don't know. It just felt like it was such smart marketing by the studio to just say this because it's almost pushed it onto people that they have to accept it. Um, you know, but it, it's it's interesting to see um, that and Guardians 3, some of the early buzz that people are trying to like tie themselves in knots the way they talk about these after a decade of just kind of like, for lack of a better word, jizzing on Twitter after every single screening, everyone's trying to be a little bit more even handed because we can feel that the staleness is setting in, you know, anyway, I just found that to be uh, entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, but what we do have is we have a super robot monkey, a giant robot monkey, uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, you know, as everybody that listens knows, this is a pro pro Bay podcast. And, uh, and even though I am probably the, the least, uh, the one who likes the Transformers movies, the least, I saw some Bay slander online this week that, that I, I do not agree with, but that being said, um, Liam, let's go to you first. What'd you think of the trailer for this one? Uh, it, I, I, ooh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I don't I I I don't even I mean I can't even I can't even tell you a distinctive image from Bumblebee. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I I I know that everybody likes that movie a lot, but um Nepo Baby Bumblebee um is is very uh you can't really tell me an image from it. So I get that it's 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 more um, standard. I don't know. I have, I have a whole fucking diatribe about this Bay stuff because I feel like the the disrespect and everything is crazy to me, and it, it's it's kind of like things going back and forth between you have these the Bay and the Snyders who are these like messy visualists versus like these kind of TV writer room MCU movies, and it's been this like seesaw, and obviously. Um, you know, there, there's pros and cons to each of these things, but I think you should just, uh, definitely, you know, appreciate what that guy did differently. I mean, that's why I, I said, it's, it's, it's actually, we should be ashamed as a culture that he did five Transformers movies, like that he had to do five Transformers. I think he really likes doing them and, but 
you know, would just be grateful and slightly ashamed that that happened. And uh, when you go back and watch them after, I mean, even the stuff that that comes out now, it's just like the the visuals are so unique. He has such a singular, you know, eye and style. And and like I said, it's not just about the camera moves. It's not just about the VFX and his experience with VFX. It's even it's even how he scouts. It's it's everything. Like everything matters again. Like the way he, like whenever I was scouting, I'd be like, what, what would Michael Bay think that this was a good enough location? And you can kind of answer that question in your head, a yes or no, um, because it has to kind of be perfect if it's a Michael Bay location. And and so all those little details and, and the things that he puts into those movies visually are, are worth studying and worth learning from. And uh, I I think as the the Transformers series was going on, I wasn't like super love it. I thought the first one was a lot of fun, and it was kind of a good mix between Bay and Spielberg. It's probably the most Bay and Spielberg mix of of any of the movies they've done together. Um, and then you know I think Spielberg was like, okay, you've got this, and just let him go do whatever he wanted. You know, Revenge of the Fallen's a strike movie. Uh, I think even he doesn't really like that one. There's a, there is a shot of Robot Heaven, which is hilarious in its own right. Um, but then Dark of the Moon, the last hour of that is just insane, amazing action because it was done in 3D. Um, you know, I think it was there was some post converted, some shot 3D, some 3D renders of the CG. So he didn't cut as fast. Um, you know, as a post Avatar release. Um, still usually as the stuff a little long, but it, it, it definitely moved into a different phase. And then I remember age of extinction was one of the more punishing sits in a theater because of how goddamn long it is. But when you watch it now, it's, it's quite fun, uh, at home and you don't, you know, you can obviously pause and walk away. You can watch it in 90 minute bites with if, uh, age of extinction last night, if you put those together as three 90 minute views, that's, that's how I, I would say to do it. Cause that like makes it a, a three movie trilogy. And then again, I stand by last night being one of the most visually unhinged, uh, insane things and best VFX in the last act of that. So it's it's not so much like I wouldn't defend the story and all those other choices, but there's something there that's just like uh, blows my mind um, visually with his films that when I'm seeing this kind of um, these other versions that everyone's like, oh, this is true to the cartoon and all this stuff. I just don't care as much. Um, so I'm sure it'll be cool, but it's it definitely it feels like it it's passing me by and that's okay yeah right. say, yeah but fuck it we'll go long um first to the trailer itself looks fun it looks, looks, looks nice um you know i think you know after they you know uh, released the range of the films to whoever else um well it's kaplan Stephen kaplan jr uh creed 2 and he's a good director I, I like his stuff um they um i guess it makes it just makes i guess some, some kind of sense to uh make this toy robot cartoon and actually look like an actual toy toy robot movie. So, you know, that makes sense. I I, I get it. And I, I, I didn't see Bumblebee also, but you know, I heard it was received well, did good numbers, I guess. So, you know what? It's, not, it's all a good plan. Good, fair enough. Um, uh, I'm excited about, we talked about this in the previous episode about the, the whole Beast machine, beast Wars fucking nerd, nerd lore bullshit. So, which is to say, just to reiterate that, um, I I would be uh, the uh, nostalgia target for this, 
but it just kind of looks so like um not what I well it's oh it's not what my childhood so <laughs> it's a clearly it's a very different thing so you know but, but whatever it's fine it's a fucking talking commercial so it's, it's okay for the kids now that's that's totally fine um I really I'm glad to see um Anthony Ramos and Dominic Fishback here as stars the human stars in the you know the Transformer series they're great actors in their own right they like legitimately like one of the, the some of the uh, top younger younger uh, talent out there they do great work um I know Dominique has uh, just started in, um. The series Swarm, kind of a drama thriller series, and Anthony Ramos, of course, you know, kind of the uh, somewhat protege, um, uh, uh, you know, from you know, Hamilton and so forth. Uh, uh, so you know, like these are great, great. They have the, the talent for it. Now, are they going to use it to that effect? Probably not. You know, again, Tory, Tory robot, Tory giant monkey commercial. It's, it's fine. They're not going to. They're not doing. They didn't do a Shakespeare, but you know, just I'm glad that they have this exposure, so you know, they can hopefully do more stuff in the future. So that's great. Um, now the one thing that we kind of get into the into the biggest thing here, the biggest scope is that um somebody uh, put online recently during the, after the trailer, there's a shot in the in this trailer of uh kind of a uh, one take uh, CGI flowing uh, battle scene where the road the motorcycle robot is riding the rhinoceros robot, which is actually pretty cool. That's cool. Um, <laughs> but it it just kind of looks gray and smudgy and, and kind of terrible at the same time. Like it's like one of those cool concept but questionable execution kind of things and you know this person they were saying you know oh here is a clean you know one shot smooth um take where the actual toy robots that we came here for are visible and distinct as their characters that that you know rc and then uh rhinox um rhinox, you know they, you can see who they are as opposed to the previous iterations of these uh gigantic chunks of scrap metal <laughs> that you couldn't really tell what was going on half the time so you know, people there was there's a whole kerfuffle about that, and I got I got into it on myself on Twitter, and you know, just, oh again, pure nonsense. It's, it's all doesn't it's all does not matter. It's all stupid stuff. But you know, I got into it because I because like, I replied with you know, I replied with a clip, a clip from Dark of the Moon, the last you know, to to and my point being that you know, this CGI thing being one take is kind of irrelevant if it looks doo doo, whereas you know, and and dead to that point, on the I guess you could say the to counter that you know. People did not like the Bay Bayformers like hecticness. You know, his, they say shaky cam, but it's not really shaky cam. Well, I mean, that's part of it, but his actual. Now, here's where we get to the, to the meat of it all. What, as you, as Liam was saying, Bay, unlike anybody else in his current blockbuster era, he was able to like masterfully meld the realist, the real life, uh, the physical world he's filming, and then kind of somehow visualize exactly what these gigantic robots would look like as they're fighting. So all the framing and, and, and the state, the blocking staging of where the camera is, uh, is it's more like the uh, the point of view of a human, of us fight another giant robot in, in the streets. So it is kind of inherently chaotic in a way and not what you would imagine as a toy robot, but another toy robot. And so, you know, that's part of, that's that's the distinct style choice. That's, that's, that's what you for and I think it works, but you know, again, it's it's still it's very uh assaulting is the word. Well, but I, that clip, just just to talk about that one clip in Dark of the Moon, it's when Optimus comes in and just fucking lays the smack down. If you look at look at the plates, and when I say plates, the shots of location photography, like they they shot a, a ton on location there, and they blew up things on location. So that was a big huge explosive setup on that you know line of sand in the middle of chicago 
and they have the dolly and the crane and they have like, you know, he's got his like Michael Bay fucking 18 cameras set up while we do all these explosions. Now there's some fully digital shots that have digital backgrounds in there, but a lot of the stuff and then people say, why are they going past all that stuff in the foreground? Cause that shit was really there. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're dollying past, you know, the, uh, the, the trucks and everything and, and, and all those, all the, the explosion debris, that stuff is in camera and they're melding these things together and it's fucking gorgeous. So yeah. that compared to, you know, what's kind of become the de facto CG smudge battlefield from, you know, a bunch of these different um, climactic end fights is just sort of like, th that's what's the difference is that they're doing huge in-camera explosions, huge in-camera setups, location lockdown, all within the, the actual place where you're filming compared to just, you know, CG wastelands. So, I mean, you know, to trying to be like, oh, this is amazing. There's no cuts. It's just like, that, that and there was nothing even interesting about the compositions within that shot. It was just like, here's a medium shot that goes to a medium shot that goes to a medium shot that goes to a medium shot. Where I posted like, if you want to look at people doing interesting things with digital wonders, like look at what Spielberg did with the Adventures of Tintin. The shot is becoming a close up, and now it's going to an aerial, and now it's getting here, and now it's revealing this, and now it's like there. There's ways to do digital wonders that are clever and fun. Um, there's ways to do everything differently, but it was just sort of like, look, kids are excited about a trailer. I'm not going to, you know, yeah, try to, you know, show up at their house and beat the shit out of them for it, but <laughs> didn't have to trash the old stuff while being excited for the new stuff. That's all. And, um, and I wanted to add, uh, Mike, before you jump in, I, to get to the other part of it all, the, 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 the more uh, difficult part of it all, you know, the actual narrative stuff going on, Michael Bay as a, director as a writer or well as a you know creative force the transformers movies are fucking weird and also gross at times and like i don't <laughs> discount this but that's what makes them fascinating to me like you know uh, like i mentioned transformers uh, 2 with, with the nigabots and like you know part 4 with the fucking uh the the Romeo and Juliet uh, i can they unraise girls thing like that's strange shit so i'm not so as very important i don't want to discount or dismiss that stuff going on but the very fact that those kinds of things are in a four quadrant blockbuster, quote unquote, that is amazing to me. That is like, in, 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 I have a as you as same as you. I have a, uh, my whole thesis on Bay, but you know, this is America manifest, you know, in all of its disgusting glory. You know, these are, especially part four, like you know, and and it's not like I'm, you know, people say you, you, you there's, there's there's no um relitigation here. There's no uh, uh what, what's the word they. Just out of, uh, revisionism revision yeah yeah there's no revision i was there then and knew they were fucking stupid but that's why i i, I enjoyed it or I, at least i found them engaging i was like this is the stupidest shit i've ever seen but like it's nobody else is coming close to this lizard brain primal energy and, you know everything is safe and 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 you know uh people you know, people cry about propaganda you know the marvel movies or whatever like, they're very safe safe conservative quote movies in a, in a pretty serious way no, this is like going going forward. This is like this shit is unhinged. This is what America is actually like. Uh, to this to this point, like I was not a people say, uh, the shit you like as a kid is actually stupid. But now that you're an adult, you don't you don't have to litigate it. No, no, no. I was an adult when I saw these movies. Specifically, I was in part when part two came out. I was in Germany and I saw this. I saw part two in the German theaters with the English uh, subtitle. No, no, 
it was still English, but they had German subtitles. With my uh, uh, companion, my comrades, my, uh, my my army team, and as I'm as the stupidity is washing over me, I'm like, what, what what is this nonsense? And I then I hear the reaction to the German civilians, and it dawned on me. I was like, oh shit, this is how the rest of the world sees us. Like you, I, I I needed to be. I had to be there in that moment at that place to really understand what was happening with me. Like, oh my god, like. This is the mirror of our fucking soul here. This is not just like, I mean, it is nonsense, but like, it's not just nonsense. This is like, this is us. Then later on, I saw Transformers 4. This is actually difficult to describe, but um, I watched Transformers 4 on a Russian bootleg on my, cons on my console in the um, command center um, one night as we're on the, during the same period as we're watching it and creating a, a, a C-130 gunship strike. On a Taliban stronghold, and, I, and I'm watching as I'm watching Transformers and fucking Optimus Prime blow up a CIA agent on one screen. I'm watching us and all of our military power and might, Imperial Dominion, turn these white blobs on the IR screen into human like mush. Like I, this is not nostalgia. This is not revisionism. This is these Bay movies. These are the rawest form. Of America put into media for human consumption, and I think that people are averse to that. Well, because they're they're ugly on their face, but I think for me it's like they're ugly in their core as well. But that's us too. That's why these movies are so fascinating to me. And like so, now we have oh here's here's a motorcycle riding the road, riding like rhinoceros. It's fun, right? I mean, yeah, but like, who gives a fuck? It's a fucking fake ass. No, no people there. No problematic Charlie Booth who like who lied about his fucking abuse of the Tony. No, no problematic stuff there. It's all just safe, clean, sterile, gray sludge. I'm like, oh no, no, no. If you if you if you Google the star of that one, he's he he got roasted. He got he got caught uh cheating and and uh, Instagram wanted to burn his house down. It happens, to, it happens <laughs> to all of them eventually, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean it's like you know, it's like but and and I guess the ultimate irony is that you know, again, these are once more. These are movies about toy cars that turn into toy robots. It's all like this. It all doesn't mean anything in the in the most direct sense. But again, I, I appreciated that Bay and his unhinged madness was able to put something out there that reflected us in these weird ass toy commercials. But now we're just getting toy commercials about the weird shit. It's like, well, I mean, I I, I, I guess we'll have fun like Mario Brothers movie. I guess I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think uh, I want to hear Mike talk too, but I, I do think I, I I literally do have revisionism on them because I thought four was like man that that I thought I thought three and four were both really good times that I wanted to edit down like a thirty minutes out of each of them because they were so punishing, and then the last one I watched drunk uh, uh at and and was like laughing my ass off at the movie until the ending, and then I was like. I like sobered up and was like, oh my God. <laughs> I kind of had like this, like, like, oh, I shouldn't have been tweeting and fucking around on this movie. Like this movie just blew my mind. So then I watched them again, like years later. And I was like, ah, there's just something visually that's just so good about these. I can't, I, I get it. All the complaints, the story is ri ridiculous. And, and the tonal changes and Anthony Hopkins fucking screaming move bitch get out the way i mean it's fucking like you said it's it's america warts and all but there is a revisionism to me because it is sort of like 
we've reached such a uh, a sludge of sameness with uh, blockbusters. So when you go back and you go, wow, look at this, like this, and, and the images stick in your mind, which is kind of what I was saying about Bumblebee, which is a perfectly good movie, even though it is Nepo Baby Bumblebee. Um, that That is a perfectly good movie. I love the star. Haley's great, but I can't remember any images of it. So that that's kind of what where I kind of lay on is that like the, these movies are all about the visuals and that's that's what Bay is. He's one of the greatest visuals of all time. Also, <clears throat> Bumblebee had my boy Dylan O'Brien in it. So, you know, that's that's not uh, that's there's only one Transformers movie that has Dylan O'Brien and it's Bumblebee. Um, <laughs> but, I don't remember him at all, but he's he's the voice. He's the voice of Bumblebee. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like to me, this is one that's like, it looks fine. You know, uh, like you said, vice, uh, the person, I know what tweet you're talking about. That person's probably a kid, you know, it, it's fine. Um, but to me, you know, that whole single shot again, I don't give any credit to a one that is done entirely in camera. That's like giving credit to a video game for being a one you know, there that's like done entirely in computer, not camera. Like that's like giving credit to a video game for being a one right? Uh, if you're stitching together digital stuff, that's not the same as shooting stuff in light, you know, and actually we can kind of talk about this when we get into AKA, because AKA opens with a oneer um that that is very clearly like a proper oneer um and so the biggest thing for me that I I thought you know I'm always happy to hear Peter Cullen come back Ron Perlman's fucking great like just a great voice um I think it looks fun I do agree though that the the that big climactic shot of the trailer from Endgame to so many other movies, they're shooting these things. It, it it makes me chuckle because what it makes me think of being the big common writer and Super Sentai guy. So there's this quarry, for those who don't know, there's this quarry in Japan where they can film live explosions and stuff like that. So all of your, your tokusatsu movies and TV shows, the big climactic battles are always filmed in this rock quarry because they can, they can actually use real fire and, and stuff like that. It's like the only place they can do it. So that's what these all look like to me now is like Toku, but the, at least the tokusatsu movies are actually in the quarry with actual explosions and, and real martial arts and people in suits running for their lives sometimes, you know, and, and that's kind of what I see when we see these big brown gray sludge climactic things to me is it, it just, it looks like you're trying to hide dodgy CGI. And I just, and I know most of the time that's not why, because these movies have $200 million budgets, but that's what it ends up looking like. And, uh, you know, even as much as I love Endgame, it goes back. I thought, I thought the climax of Endgame was great narratively and choreography wise and everything like that, but it looked like shit. Uh, and, and I feel like that is set a template for a lot of this stuff. Um, so I'm going to see it. I probably, I, I haven't seen any Transformers movie in the theater since Revenge of the Fallen, because that left such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and I am the one that still, I do not revise my opinion of Age of Extinction. Uh, th- th- I still think that movie is terrible, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, oh, hey, quick caveat. I just want to, 
I know that this came up in online. I do think it's a good point. Um, we're not disparaging for the VFX artists and the guys actually making these things together. This is not a, this is not a complaint about them. It's not a disparagement of the talent, you know, especially with all the um, as we know in the new press now, the hardships that they have to face in these studios making these movies. That's not the whole point about it. like a, the, the very the fundamental concept of why Warner is good or why it's meant to work is a possibility that you we as humans can make an error and mess up a move. So the wonder is like, you know, it's a um, a manifestation of precision. So that's not quite the same thing. It doesn't translate the same way as a computer generated thing where you can actually, even though yes, it takes talent and skill to put together, you can still edit it at, at your will. That's the whole kind of the whole thing. So like, we're not saying that the VFX are sucks. I don't, I don't want to put that across. Like, it's like, it's a, it's a fundamentally different different concept. Wonder is, you know, it's PGI or a video game cutscene or an actual live wonder with people. That's a, it's a whole different thing. So I just want to make sure that people know that, you know, we're not, we're not slagging on the beef. Love you guys. <laughs> yeah. No. And uh, I, I think it was, um, I, I, I'm, I well, I don't even know if I should get into it, but I don't know if the, if, if it's ILM proper on this one and it's more farmed out, I think that's probably the case. Um, but back to what you were just saying, Vice, because I did, I haven't talked about any of my filmmaking stuff uh, for a little bit on purpose. Um, but I, there was, uh, there is an opening stuff that, uh, like a previous thing I've been working on, um, the past couple of months that's in radial and it's the arrival of a spaceship and a bunch of sort of visual storytelling. And so my initial idea was, well, let's do this as a oneer cause it's all CG and it'll be interesting. And so I worked with a storyboard artist and we did that as a oneer and then we did then the, the previs artist looked at the storyboards and we talked and then we did a previs. And I just realized that by trying to do it as a oneer, um, that the time didn't feel right. And, and it's as simple as like um, one ship is arriving and, and scanning something. And because that's all, because you're seeing it all in a oneer, it felt so fast. But if I cut uh, to turning the oneer into five shots, you know, that temporal break makes it feel like, okay, they've been scanning for a while and it's the same exact story, but it was just interesting as like a simple reason of why to use oneers and why not. And by just uh, saying, you know what, we gave it a shot, but I think this feels better because I always say like, I, I really love editing. I'm not, um, but it was, it was a great exercise to kind of be like, how would I do it all as one and find interesting compositions um, because you're working with massive objects in space that you have to try to, uh, I guess, show scale. And so that that was a challenge. Um, but then realizing, you know what? It feels kind of shitty <laughs> because, because it all feels like cheap and easy in a right. weird way. But by cutting across to these different angles, it felt bigger. And um, I, I, I can't explain that necessarily. Um, obviously, it's something only I've seen and you guys haven't, but it's an interesting part of that process of, of even when you start with the intention of doing it and then, you know, adjusting um, it's, it's, you know, the cuts, cuts are great. And uh, I love wonders when they make sense for the story and when they, they pull you in and it becomes, uh, you know, John Wick four, a great recent example, it's just jaw dropping, but you know, it's everything, every, every little bit of thing has a tool. There's like, I, I think Vern has been really interesting on Twitter this week where he was saying like, everyone gets like, kind of like dug in and says like, this is the way you have to do a digital one or a digital one or has to feel like photography. 
because that's what Cameron said on Avatar. No, Cameron was talking about what it has to feel like for an Avatar movie. For an Avatar movie, there's a specific aesthetic that he is trying to create. Um, it doesn't mean that that has to be the same aesthetic for everybody trying to do digital photography on their movie. Like, and even even in my own uh, experience, like I, I would like in in the, the the Skyline movies, I take advantage of the things that I can't necessarily do uh, with a big anamorphic uh, digital camera when I have these CG shots. So I'll do these sort of CG snap zooms, but I don't have a zoom lens uh, on set. So it's not 100% meshing with it, but I find it to be interesting and fun. And it's it's definitely uh, some Zack Snyder influence, but I don't know. It's like I'm creating the own aesthetic that I want to create within that movie. Um, and and as, as the director, I have the ability to do that and not to just say, oh, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. And I, I'm sticking to everything. Like, you know, th there's a reason why you can do a little bit of everything and not to get like, don't, don't, don't nail yourself to a cross. Uh, enjoy the different tools and, and figure out what works for you. Well said. Well, yeah, that seems like a good place to transition to. Speaking of uh, visualists who can be, uh, who can be brilliant and who can be insufferable and uh, who can who can cover the entire gamut. Vice, you went and saw Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Oh, yeah! Wow. Okay. Um, this is definitely one that's going to be a highlight of uh, this our upcoming, hopefully, uh, year-end war film perspective because this is this is great. Um, I don't, where to begin? It, um, I could just kind of recap my thoughts in my Twitter thread and, and also my letterbox review. You know, like um, this the main thing to take away for for me is that um, the new kind of we, we, we've had Top Gun, Maverick, we've had Avatar, and, and so recently recent examples like military might. Uh, manifestations. Um, I think the new kind of military fantasy, the American military fantasy specifically, is not to beat the Soviets or go back and win Vietnam or stop terrorism or uh, prevent 9-11 or whatever. It's like, to, it's to have with all the things that we've spent and wasted to have just one single fucking thing that we did matter. That's the new fantasy of the you know of these movies and with that saying you know that i think that the covenant kind of really captures that spirit um there's here the main, the main premise is that um there's a uh there's a force of soldier um in afghanistan uh he, you know he gets uh, attacked and almost taken captive uh but his interpreter uh afghan local nationals re rescues him from capture and saves his life drags him across the country almost you know 100 kilometers to safety on uh, by on his own and then, of course, then the other part of this is that, um, as and it's part of the part of the real the real uh, situation is that uh, so many of the Afghan interpreters throughout the during their their help of us throughout the global war on terror or OEF, uh, they the promise was that if they helped the U.S., they would get uh, visas to America, um, but so for so many that was not the case, so they were they were abandoned in Afghanistan and to, left to the fate. Of the enemy of the Taliban and Al Qaeda and all the other enemy forces there, and we can you know the America basically left them left them to die. So this is the movie. This is kind of the first movie. Not not, not that, again. Not, not that the, we've lived through the uh, fall of Afghanistan as it were in 2011, uh, 2021, excuse me. Um, 
when we 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 left we, left the, we, we finished uh combat operations in Afghanistan and then uh the uh Republic of Afghanistan the, the government fell and is now uh unfortunately once again in control of uh the the, the Taliban and uh local tribes there is that, that, that so forth uh the the uh, in other words the entire 20 year project was an abject fucking failure and a waste of everything that we put into it and this is the first movie that kind of directly tackles that um that this current situation or a uh, first fictional film um but having said that despite that being its um situation it doesn't actually get into the big kind of thematics of that all instead we have the pretty straightforward contained uh little tactical thriller simply about you know one man who has a bond with another and then there's a debt to be repaid you know he saved his life now he has to get return return pay that debt back so um it kind of with all, with all that context that i just talked about you know it doesn't really touch on that too much uh that's for you as a viewer as, as a well if you're american as a citizen of america or, or a civilian of america to learn about yourself and understand um you know it just kind of keeps it simple in that regard is uh this is a story about these these men and and their fight and to, to save each other and it's in that regard it's really i thought it was really really uh, successful it was a really great film overall um you know like uh and so it, but the richie the richie of it all i guess it's a very fascinating thing, which like he has been, you know, he came up, you know, uh, 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 with Lockstock and 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 uh, a snatch, I think it was. Uh, like he's has he he's known as this very stylistic director, but and transplanting, of course, uh, uh, right? You know, right? Yeah. Um, no, 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 that's all right. No, no, <laughs> I, no, tra- no transplanting. No, 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 no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the other. No, no. Um, but you know, just in general, like uh, he has this very distinct style. But at the same time, uh, he recently he did um the, the Aladdin Aladdin movie for Disney, the live action one, and um and you know that kind of being the uh, the, the so called house style Disney whatever like. I, uh, I, I can tell you what that happened though is that he did Legend of the Sword, which was a big fucking swing, and it's very Richie, and it's like one of the most setups you could possibly have per minute of a movie, and it bombed. Uh, I still think it's it's a very worthy entry, and you uh, uh, people that kind of discounted that again, it's like it's much more interesting than most of the blockbusters that have been made. I mean, you got fucking Eric Bana in the beginning <laughs> jumping on massive fucking elephants. Uh, th- that alone is worth the price uh, of, mis- of of admission. But it, it's a very metal movie, so I, I like it quite a bit. But he was licking his wounds after that, and they were like, D- "If you do Aladdin, you got to do exactly what we say." you'll get a billion dollar grocer and you're back on your way. And so that's at least what it looked like to me. He played yeah. ball on Aladdin and, yeah. and, and now, guess, now he's working, he's shooting like two movies a year because yeah. he's got this massive cred back under it. I, I guess my point is that um, it almost feels like, and even within the films that are of, of his own, you know, writer, director or whatever, he was like, they still, they're getting more and more varied. Like, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. like he almost feels like, how do I describe this? Like a journeyman director, but like, with with cash, it's hard to explain. Like, uh, he's a he's a known name, but he's just doing these really w- distinct projects that, that don't that don't feel like Guy Ritchie, which is you know again it's hard to explain. Like, uh, I don't really have an example or a relation that I could or a comparison to, but like, we 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 know what he can do. But then he does like these other things that kind of add to what he can do, and it kind of broadens that that idea of what he is. He's not just the the British gangster guy no more. You know, he can do other other weird shit. You know. So, so it is here, of course, is like the latest one. Uh, 
most the previous one, of course, Wrath of Man, a great fucking excellent. No, it was movie. Orson Fortune. Orson. Oh Fortune. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking... Fortune, which I have not talked about on this show, but I'll I'll give a brief review after Vice is done talking about the company. No, no, just do it right now. Give us the brief one. Fucking terrible. It's <laughs> it's borderline unwatchable. Um, I, I cannot believe that it is the same guy that made uh Wrath of Man. Uh, and that is that is part of the richiness that is Richie. When Richie misses, he misses fucking big, man. He misses big. Everybody in the movie is just is so over the top. It's just it's a total clown show for the entire movie. Um, it, it it's trying to have a little bit of the nimbleness that his Man from Uncle has, which is a movie that I fucking adore. Like I love the Man from Uncle, uh, Cannibal co-star, notwithstanding. Um, but uh, but it uh, it doesn't have any nimbleness. It's it's really fucking try hard. Uh, and and Statham is just so you know, Statham's always Statham. I mean, that's part of the charm of Statham is he's always Statham. But there's Wrath of Man invested Statham and there's I got to do a favor for Guy Statham, which is really what we get in Operation Fortune. This is the Meg Statham. This is, you know, this is uh, Italian job Statham. This is this is uh, I bought a new house in the Caribbean Statham. <laughs> how, how is Boy Sweat Dave? Boy Sweat Dave is about the only thing that makes the movie tolerable. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett understood the assignment and he is the right level of over the top, but also like underplaying it enough that it, that it works. Hugh Grant gives one of the most staggeringly terrible performances I've ever seen from his, his career. You know, he, his, his villain in Paddington two is legendarily great. I know vice hates Paddington, but it's <laughs> barely great. It's like, he's trying to do that again, but. He, he kind of did that in the gentleman too, which I, I like the gentleman, I think more than most people, but I like the gentleman quite a bit. Um, yeah. He's trying to do that again, but it's like he hit his head on the way to sleep. Um, <laughs> You know, it just, I don't. So anyway, Operation Fortune, not good. I'm excited to get in. I'm excited to see the Covenant and remind myself. Uh, don't call it Operation Fortune. You have to call it Orson Fortune because they named a fucking character Orson Fortune. And that is just so ridiculous. Wait. Oh, my God. Wow. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that's his name. That's why it's called that. Orson oh Fortune. Oh, my God. That's oh, the geez. that's the Antonio Banderas meme. Like, ah, oh, leaning back <laughs> and, and biting your tongue, biting your, your thumb after you, you click that into the final graph. Uh -huh. Anyway, Vice, back to you. Oh, yeah. Again, again it's reinforcing the fact that right, he, he could do such thing to say. Really quick. Uh, I will say it's still better than Ghosted. So... Uh, <laughs> Because at least it's a swing. At least it's bad in the way that only Guy Ritchie can make a bad movie. So, it, it, you know, in, in that way, it's actually better than than a middle of the road, you know, <laughs> TV movie. All right, Vice, back to you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's all reinforces the point that, you know, Guy Ritchie is a, a versatile talent. The talented be the operative word here. But, you know, it's... <laughs> but, yeah, so, and so now, like, you, you would expect from that to this, this is like, this is like a almost, uh, not quite, you know, like, Paul Greengrass kind of style, or, or, or like it's a very serious. Uh, even it's Wrath of Man was serious and bleak and fucked up. This is his own kind of its own uh, vibe of 
serious and fucked up. Um, yeah, and and like I said, the, the, the story itself is pretty straightforward, so there's not much really to get to in that regard. But I will say, you know, the, the other part here is, well, I, I guess, um, I don't remember if uh, Gillen Hall has worked with Richie before, um, but uh, if he had, if, but this is, I, this is, if he needed a break reprieve from Statham to pull this off, I want to see more of Gillen Hall doing this stuff because, like, he, he's, this is like the way he kind of uses that strange um, neo noir pulp dialogue as a soldier is a very it's strange but it works it's a good strange that works for this kind of movie like not quite night full of strange again it's its own vibe because i kind of heard people talk how, how can i describe this it's like what it's almost like i've heard operators and ground ponders talk some and it's almost like a poetic a fake poetic version of that but in a good way and like it's it, it, it cuts through the machismo of it that's a very strange it's a very it's a very strange sensation but I, I like it. it it still feels honest and true to what i felt while still being entertainment and still being poetic and still being artistic on its own right so yeah i, I gillen hall delivers here it's a, another another notch on his belt of an all-time all-time actor is great but the real the true star of this the true what makes this movie is dar salim he's a uh, danish actor iraqi descent and he's a, he is a superstar in his own right in his in his, in his uh, home country in his, in his home field. He's, he has he's led several series, several movies. Uh, he's a, most recently for uh, if Mercury Wonder he was in uh, Black Crab, Danish film, but uh, that's probably the most recent film of his that we, we we could see. This guy is a superstar. He is like his he is like Denzel level like gravitas. Like this is a legit superstar, international superstar, and he makes this fucking movie. He at times literally carrying on his back. You know, as far as the true story of carrying Gillen Hall through the, through the desert or through the plains, like. And just to see him, to, to, to know who Gyllenhaal is and what he can, is capable of, see him do that, but then to see it kind of bounce off and absorb at the same time through, the, through Dar, like, it's a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see these two actors on this high level just react to each other and interact with each other. Like, and it, it, part of the story too, like, you know, here's a hot shot American, you know, Dick Wagon fucking special ops guy. And here's a guy, you know, he's here. He's here to save save uh, the world from terrorism, whatever the fuck, or whatever, whatever he thinks. Meanwhile, here's a guy, former Taliban, has beef with the Taliban. This is his country. He knows deep into his soul the the battles and the what it takes, what's at stake here. And he's looking, looking at this, look at this white boy, like, okay, guy, sure, whatever. And it's beautiful. It, it, it's 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 a again, it's it's sincere, but still artistic to the actual feeling of we have so many guys who come. So many fucking guys, 24-year-old sergeants from shit bucket Iowa, come to Afghanistan, come to Iraq. They, they think they know shit to run shit, you know, pushing around the local nationals because they're the they're army bad. They're, they're for the US Army. They can they're the baddest guys in the world. And they don't know shit. We we have guys, some of the actual local nationals, they, you know, they they're talking to them because they're like, you know, they're interpreters or they're like, you know, service workers. Dude, that, that guy's a doctor in Baghdad. That guy's a fucking trauma surgeon in Kabul. Like these, these, these are people, men, women. We have full souls and lives. More, and again, that's 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 part of the what's what's being um uh, uh manifested here in this movie is that that's feeling of like we're just fucking their shit up so bad, and we we we're not paying for it. They are. So that's kind of the main message here that's going on in the movie. And again, uh, Star Salim like that, that represents that depth of soul of these people, and he does it so well. So it really it really is like it doesn't work without him at all. 
So yeah, uh, overall, you know, like, again, straight, pretty straightforward story, straightforward story, and um, just as a character piece and as a uh, as a tactical thriller, it's fucking great. Um, but just you know, again, there's there's there's, there's no deeper ruminations on the nature of the twenties of conflict. There's no m- big message, so to speak. There's no like, uh, there's, there's there's no extrapolations. It's, it's not if you're looking for a fucking if you're looking for a, a movie to tell you the world was bad. Because you, you're too stupid to realize that yourself, like you don't know anybody with this shit. Like, this is just like telling its own story in its own way that has a kernel of real truth and sincerity to it. That I, I thought was really, really well done. But yeah, I, I, I definitely recommend seeing the Covenant. Gravity's the Covenant. I guess it's a new title. <laughs> so I guess it can, it can change it. I guess it's, if he's a up, what is it up? Whatever fortune. Now it's a Gravity's the Covenant, and I, I, he definitely earns this title in this one. It was great. <laughs> I uh, I was listening to a podcast this last week and they were talking about Jake Gyllenhaal and they've they've gone to this well. They have a bit where they always ask, is he is he Jake Gyllenhaal or is he his brother Jack Gyllenhaal? Which is, you know, anytime Gyllenhaal's jacked, that's that's Jack Gyllenhaal. So like the new roadhouse is going to be Jack Gyllenhaal's masterpiece. But uh, I it, it, and I can't stop thinking about that. Like anytime I see him in like an action movie or something, now, I'm like, oh, it's totally Jack Gyllenhaal. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really, you guys know how much I love Gyllenhaal. So I really do want to see this one. Um, it just wasn't one that I was motivated enough to make it out to the theater for, uh, especially given that, you know, I, I had to go see Evil Dead. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you approved of this one, Vice. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch it when it hits VOD. Jack Gyllenhaal, I approve. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, so we'll move on to the big Netflix action film that dropped this week that a lot of people on Action Twitter were talking about. Now, Vice, if I'm not mistaken, you did not get a chance to see AKA. Is that correct? No, I, as, as much as I'm a big fan of Alban, Noir, uh, Alban the French actor from Lost Bullet, I just I hadn't had time. But no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So yeah, please let, let's hear the details. It, sounds, it looks good, though. But I don't know. Well, it sounds like it maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> well, so yeah. So we're talking about AKA, directed by Morgan uh, Delabert, starring, and what most people care about is... Um, the uh, is uh, stars Alban Lenoir from Lost Bullet. So Liam, what did you think of this one? Uh, the mute button. I was going to tell you to go because I only watched the first 20 minutes. So oh. I, I, I don't feel like I can give you a full review. I just, the opening, like you said, is a wonder. It's uh, it's, it's quite interesting. And I had that sensation of, Oh, this kind of seems like propaganda for a French movie. And then all of a sudden it has this twist where, you know, the hero does something really dark and disgusting. And I was like, Oh, there's the French. Yeah. There's the French. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought I saw I saw you doing the hand thing, and I thought you were telling me to speed it up. Not that you. <laughs> just, you know, I thought I thought you were like you, I'm on a time. I was I was like you go you go. Well, so yeah, I I am going to be a bit of the outlier on this one. Um, I will I, I like like we talk, try to do. I will start with the good. Um, first and foremost, I think it's 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 nicely directed. Uh, Dalibera does a very nice job. That oneer is is I think very well done, and it does do something interesting in terms of of oneers that I thought was was pretty clever. Um, the fight scenes, what few there are, are impressively done, and uh, and Alban Lenoir is his usual sturdy self. I mean, he's not the most. I haven't seen a ton of his movies, uh, but he does not strike me as the most expressive 
and or wide ranging actor, at least in the ones that I've seen. But he is his usual, you know, sturdy self in this. But for me, this just did not work for me at all. It's not a bad movie. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie because it's absolutely not. Um, but it just did not work for me. And and the reason it didn't work for me, I'm, I'm going to kind of do some minor spoilers here. But the reason it didn't work for me is because it it feels like such a mishmash of various other influences. And I don't know whether these were actually influences on the movie or not, but I could not help watching it, but think of things it reminded me of that I enjoy more. And that's always that's always like a death knell for me, right? If I watch something and it's like, oh, it's reminding me of this better thing, I'd rather be watching the better thing. You know, there's there is a subplot in this. I thought it was going to be the plot. And that's part of the problem with the movie. There's five different movies in it. There is a subplot in this that is just fucking man on fire. It is literally just man on fire. Um, Only man on fire condensed down to about 20 minutes. Uh, But but it's 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 just man on fire. That's all it is. And. There's a lot of strike back in it in terms of the geopolitics and there's lots of twists and turns of people betraying one another and stuff like that. So what you've got is you've got this global war on terror spy movie mixed with gangs of New York style gangster movie mixed with man on fire kidnapping revenge drama mixed with man on fire style broken down old man is you know softened by the love of a child like there's just so much going on in it and it's already two hours long and it's one of those movies where i'm kind of like i kind of wish i can't believe i'm about to say this i kind of wish this was a mini series instead if you're gonna jam this much shit into the movie you're not giving anything the appropriate room to breathe and it's also done in a very, very po-faced, self-serious manner because it is at its core just as ridiculous as say something like war or Patan, but it's done in just a very self-serious manner uh, without any of the 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 fun of those other influences that I mentioned. Like it doesn't have Tony Scott's style. It doesn't have strike backs, fun, witty banter. Um, you know, it, so again, it's not a bad movie. I, I certainly would not say that it's a bad movie. That, 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 it, that would be a ludicrous statement. I think there's too much talent and, and too much quality involved, but I just thought it was a misfire in terms of what they were trying to do. Um, at least for me, it missed me pretty significantly um you know i i know that out of the three of us i'm the one that likes the lost bullet movies the least i think those are uh 25 times more interesting more entertaining and and just all around better watches than than what aka is um it just it just wasn't a fun watch that's kind of just the best way to say it not that every movie has to be fun but it it is kind of an action movie, so it should be kind of fun to watch. And I just didn't think it was fun to watch in the slightest. So uh, that's my review of it. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, Vice, what I think is really uh, fair for Mike here is that a lot of people will review foreign movies with like a different standard to American movies. And I think what you're getting from Mike is that he is viewing it with the same thing and he's giving it the same side of criticism that 
I think a lot of, uh, you know, uh, American writers don't, and they give them the benefit of the doubt on all this stuff. And they're always like, oh, it's so much better than us. And so I kind of like that you're giving it this very even handed, taking it for its terms, because that was like what I was saying. I was like, huh, this opening is is kind of Russo-y. Like, it's very like, it is very gray man. Uh, you know, uh, I haven't seen Citadel, but I, I assume there, there's some similarities to it. But then it does have the French, uh, you know, like, oh, the, the hero is doing something unforgivable and dark. But it's not so far apart from the things people are roasting in the same breath while they're saying this is so great. It definitely has that French existential, you know, I'm giving a cigarette to a baby kind of vibe <laughs> that makes it uh, makes it, I think, stand out for some people. But you're right. I mean, this is this is a movie that I think is a bog standard run of the mill action thriller that. Uh, if it wasn't, if there wasn't enough talent, but as much talent behind it and Albin Lenoir wasn't so great, it's a bit indistinguishable from a lot of geezer teasers, to be honest with you. Um, and, and side of the token here is that, um, some, a lot of, a lot of the, um, specifically the, uh, Netflix French content, quote unquote, or these like, Netflix co-produced um things like I guess they had, like I guess they had like different campaigns in different regions of the world where Netflix will like co- co- cooperate with uh, different um directors or different uh, producer groups to make stuff for Netflix. So in my in my view, I think the net, the French Netflix stuff is of effect of, of a higher tier than your usual run of the mill stuff. Like uh th- again, Lost Bullet movie S- Sentinel, you know, all there. Um, uh, um, uh, 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 the movie's called the Bronx in uh, in in the French movie, but um, they they have these pretty uh uh oh Rogue City is the name of the American title, and of course of, of course of course uh Ganglands the fucking phenomenal series you know, so I think in that regard I do expect a certain level of or even not even in some you know maybe a harder movie but a, a harder edge of it but uh Lupin, Lupin the, uh, the the uh, the the new uh, thing with uh, Omar Sy. So they, I think, for, in in my view, there is a expectation of a higher quality from specifically this French Netflix uh, umbrella of of stuff. So that I'll say, it is unfortunate that that, that you found that it, it, is, it does not meet that standard. Um, you know, no, 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 knowing what they can do. Yeah. Um, so gonna... go ahead, Vice. Sorry. Oh, so I guess my my question to you is, um, as far as just, you said it's a pretty box theater action movie. How is the action? Is it? Is it up to par in that regard yeah yeah there, there's only really three action scenes in the movie to be honest with you three that are of any substance and they're all they're very well done they're very much um your your tactical you know strike back uh without remorse kind of kind of action scenes um there's like one hand-to-hand fight that's really anything of note but for the most part it's it's a lot of tactical type stuff and they're well done but I will definitely say, first of all, I do want to establish some cred here because I'm glad that you brought that up, Liam, about the that I'm trying to be fair. I need to establish my French action lover cred here. All right. I am the guy that fucking imported a bootleg of District B-13 two years before it got released in the United States. All right. I own fucking Le Fil du Vent and Yamakasi, like two of and they, those are not good movies, but I own them. Um, you know, so like I do think the French by and large really do action. And I agree with you vice. I, I think the Netflix ones, you know, you know, I love my Sentinel. Um, so, but I will just say that I don't think Delabert is, he ain't Julian Leclerc. 
and he ain't Guillaume Perot, you know, and, and I think that's a lot where this is, this is, and it was co-written by Albin Lenoir. He has only kind of himself to blame, but the action is good. I can't, I cannot fault the action. Um, the action's there. What is there is very good. It certainly doesn't have the, the thrill that the lost bullet movies have where he's, you know, there's no scene where he's taken on an entire police station or anything along those lines. But, um, but you know, I don't want to discourage people from watching it. It just didn't work for me. Um, no, especially Vice, because on minute one, it's like Liberia, and it's like military operations stuff, and then the dude from Lost Bullet shows up, and he kicks a bunch of ass, and then he does something <laughs> fucked up, and I was like, oh, this Vice is going to love this. I saw 20 minutes, and I was like, oh, Vice is going to love this movie, but um, like I said, I, I did eat an edible, and I... <laughs> Uh, that uh, my I, I had the English uh, subtitles turned on, but it also had the English language turned on, which I didn't realize because I was reading the subtitles and I was like, "So it's different. So it's different." I was like, "Is this in my mind? Am I? Can I speak French now?" <laughs> and then I realized, I realized it was on the wrong option. <laughs> I was like, "What's happening?" Uh, <laughs> and to that point, you, you mentioned this is a VSS movie. It sounds like, uh, like Micah, you saying it's not a fun watch. So yeah, I'm looking forward to because it, it might, it might end up being, it might end up being like one of the, um, one of my uh, black coffee. It's very black coffee. It's very-, it's very black coffee. That's why that was another reason. It was like, oh, there's there, there ain't no fun here. Yeah, we're, no. We're, we're, we're fucking putting bullets in the back of ladies' heads. <laughs> job that needs to be done. And so I was like, oh, Vice is gonna love this. Yeah, if I had to sum up, you know, I guess my bit of, biggest criticism. This is the last last thing I'll say about it is. I think it needed to decide what fucking movie it was because it's really the fact that there's five different movies in it all competing for attention that is really and they're not it's not like the way that like an old Hong Kong movie or uh, a Bollywood movie will start as one movie and then by the end you're like well I'm watching a completely different movie these five movies are all competing all at the same time running throughout the movie and so it, it just it just I, I just think yeah too many ideas, uh, too many ideas that they tried to jam into this one. So, um, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up then because I was negative there and I was very negative about Orson Fortune. So uh, I know it's a little bit about outside of our wheelhouse, but obviously anybody listening to me knows uh, I love Evil Dead. I love all things Evil Dead. Uh, fucking Evil Dead Rise kicked my ass. It was so fun, boys. Vice, I know you don't love horror movies, but this is such an ooey gooey over the top ridiculous movie as all evil dead movies should be uh that i think i can just hear you giggling especially the the finale which i won't get into any spoilers but the finale i can just hear you giggling your ass off as you're as you're watching the finale so um i think it's the least of the evil dead movies but that's kind of like saying that uh you know uh the least Spielberg is, I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous statement, but the point is every evil dead movie kicks ass. Uh, and I think this kicks the least amount of ass, but it still kicks an unholy amount of ass. And Lee Cronin directs the shit out of it. Uh, Alyssa Sutherland, and I, I'm drawing a blank on the other actress. They're terrific in it. Uh, there's some really creepy, like body horror and stuff like that in it that always ooks me out. Um, so yeah, I, I love this. I had a giant ass smile on my face the whole time I was watching it really couldn't have asked for anything more from an evil dead movie. So, um, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. 
Um, here, one thing I was uh, so you know, as as I've mentioned before, like and like you uh, brought up, you know, the only Evil Dead I've ever seen is Army of Darkness, which is a really weird kind of way to think about the series, because I, I I know like academically that these are like groundbreaking hard horror films, but like to me it's like this is the guy with the square jaw punching the skeleton uh, puppets, like you know. So it's it's, it's always just funny to me like to think about what the, what the series really is, quote unquote. Which is basically what I saw of it, which is like it's kind of this fun, crazy horror action well, horror comedy thing. I don't think I don't think that's actually unreasonable. So here's here's sort of the background for you because I know our friend uh, uh, Maxwell Deering wanted you to watch all of them, and that just wasn't going to happen. But so sort of the background is the first one, the first Sam Raimi one, is a pretty hardcore horror movie. It's there's not really a ton of humor in it. There is some humor in that it's Raimi is just. Raimi is one of our greatest, much like Michael Bay, Raimi's one of our greatest maximalist directors. And so Raimi's just so unhinged that there's still humor in it, but it's a pretty hardcore horror movie. Evil Dead 2 transitions from hardcore horror to the horror comedy that later becomes, uh, it's the bridge. And and I think it's it's my favorite horror movie of all time. I just, I think Evil Dead 2 is a masterpiece on every possible level. So it's not really... Liam's raising his hand. What's up? Wow, I mean, thank you. I, I, I and if you ever have a chance to see it in the theater, it's one of the greatest yep. theater movies you could possibly have. Yeah. And I just want to say shout out to Patrick Vicious Alleyway Crew for fucking giving it a four and a half stars on Letterbox and me constantly trolling him about this. Like, oh, you got notes for Evil Dead Two, you fuckhead. It's a five star movie. Patrick, we love you, but yes, it's a fucking five star movie. Um. So then you get Army of Darkness, which is, you know, pretty much full-blown comedy. So then it lies dormant for a while, and we get the 2013 Fetty Alvarez remake, which tries to, which goes back to the hardcore horror of the first one. But at the same time, we get Ash versus Evil Dead, the series, which is in that same comedic vein. I mean, there, there is a scene that will stick with me forever from, I think it's season two of Ash versus Evil Dead, where he's fighting a deadite in a morgue and the deadite grabs him and basically sticks Ash's head up its ass. And Bruce Campbell goes, not the butt. Oh, not the butt. <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfect. So this is definitely still in the Evil Dead 2013 vein. It's got a little more humor because it's in a lot of ways, a little more over the top. Um, so yeah. What you think Evil Dead is, isn't what it is, but also at the same time it is. Because Evil Dead is everything. Evil Dead is is one of the most insane, unhinged, brilliant film series of all time. Uh, I, I just, I fucking love it uh, with every fiber of my being. It's what made Sam Raimi my favorite director. Um, and And so this one, I'm happy to say, stands tall with the rest of the series. And that's all I can ask for. I just I, I couldn't ask for anything else from an Evil Dead movie. Yeah, and you know what you're describing. I guess maybe that's also it's a strength. I guess is that um, as somebody new to it, you could watch any of the movies. I get I guess and like have a really singular experience almost. It sounds like because I guess a part. I guess if you correct me from like a Evil Dead Two is kind of sort of a not quite remake of one, so to speak. So it's like yeah, they they actually didn't have enough money 
to reuse footage from Evil Dead 1 because of a weird licensing thing. So it was actually cheaper for them to just spend the first 20 minutes of the movie essentially retelling and reshooting Evil Dead 1. Uh, so yeah, Evil Dead 2 is completely self-contained. You can you can watch it by itself. And again, yeah, have a completely singular I mean, frankly, I think one of the most singular experiences in cinema history. I mean, I just but, but yeah, but it sounds, it sounds like uh, all of them are in, in a way, like uh, even the re- from this remake because uh, um, can we mean like is this uh, rises is not this? Is there no there's no um continuity so to speak from this to the remake? Is that right? The only continuity, nope, nope. The only continuity is there's a book called the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, and some dumbass reads from it every time, and shit gets <laughs> fucked. I mean that's that's pretty much the only continuity in most of them. So so, so even even in that regard, that's a, that's a pretty honestly a starting feat that you can have these what is it five yeah five movies of the same franchise, but they'll all be like pretty almost like uh aliens in a way like they're all very it sounds like very distinct movies. So yeah, yeah, I, it's really Evil Dead Two and, and Army of Darkness that go together, and it's a crazy called shot that at the end of Evil Dead Two he would go to medieval times because it has nothing to do with their like it's just. It's fucking crazy, and that 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 they actually made good on it. It it almost feels like it was destined to be one of those teasers that just never, you know, got followed up. And I remember when Army of Darkness came out, that was more like the trailer to that was my introduction to the Evil Dead stuff. And my brother's like, "Oh yeah, this Evil Dead Two movie, the groovy. That's where that comes from." And I'm like, "What? What is all this?" And uh, and yeah, but I, I think of all of them, Evil Dead Two is still my favorite as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll always be my favorite. There's, there's just no way that anything's ever going to, I mean, it is, it is Spider-Man two level for me. There's just, I don't care how good other horror movies are. There's never going to be a horror movie. That's going to dethrone evil dead two for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, bringing that back to our previous point about the transformers, like how the fucking Bumblebee and this one, and like a soft reset reboot of the fucking baby movie or whatever, whatever the fuck they do. This is set in the nineties or whatever. I, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, this is like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, who cares? This is what this is fucking the deadites in the book and those chainsaws. So you need. That's great. That's, that's 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 great. I love that for it. So yeah, I'm definitely wanna. Uh, yeah, I, I could. I guess on one hand, I could like I would, would want to start from the beginning, but they it's made that I don't have to. That's great. That's a that's a great feeling. That I'm not I'm not lost in the sauce of this stuff. You know, that's just that's cool to see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The remake is definitely the most, I think, the most intense hardcore one. That's probably the one if somebody is like you, Vice, and they're like, I'm not a horror fan. I think 2013 is kind of the one I would probably say, well, don't start with that one then, because I find 2013 to be one of the most upsetting ones because there's not just for personal reasons, but there's a whole addiction subplot that's a lot meatier than a lot of what you get in Evil Dead movies or, yay, verily, even most horror movies. So I definitely wouldn't start with that one, but I think you could start with Evil Dead Rise and you would you would, you would would have a hell of a time. Or you could start with, yeah, any of the Bruce Campbell ones and, and have a great time. So, yeah, they're, they're just so much fucking fun. I love this series so goddamn much. <laughs> just I love this series so goddamn much. All right, so that's all I got to say. I don't want to sit here and glow about Evil Dead Rise much more, but uh, see it. Everybody check it out. All right, and I think that brings us to the end of this this episode. So, uh, boys, unless you have anything else to add? No. I, I don't just, know. Uh, we could we could go off on tangents. I don't know. Where, where are you at, Vice? Well, I don't know. It, it is late here, and I, I said my piece on the Bay of it all. You know, all the fucking, well, I, yeah, <laughs> over here, I'll talk some shit, you know, I, I just find it funny that, um, in all these, all these movies we talk about today, you know, with all the 
problematic elements of them all. You know, I, I don't want to be like the old man on a tree or, you know, uh, or what's that, this, this Skinner, Principal Skinner meme? Am I wrong? No, the children are wrong. It's not that. Um, oh, well, I want to say, I, I talked to it online. What I, what I, what I just described earlier about my experience with those movies, Transformer movies in particular, no, nobody raised on SpongeBob memes can sway or discount me on my experience with media and film and my real life experience as an agent of the American empire. Nothing you can say to me can, can change or distort my view of what I've actually lived through. That all said, I don't, what I'm trying to do, and I'm kind of bad at it now, but I do, I want to get better at it. I also don't want to discount people, the, the newer people or generation going to do stuff now. Cause you know, as I mentioned before, we've kind of left them a pretty shit situation to deal with. So, you know, and this, this is um, tangential to um, stuff we've come up with people to certain things or, you know, no, no sex scenes or, you know, this, this is too much plot or, or, or not enough plot. It's too much mood. Or, oh, oh yeah. It's uh, a tangent. Uh, shout out to uh, my friend. Well, my friend. I mean, a friend of our show too. Uh, Patrick Willems. He's a great YouTube essayist. He has a lot of, uh, it's about films. He did one recently about Miami Vice. And one of the things he brought up, you know, is like uh, how plot is not the same as story. And I, and I found it, strangely enough went into the our the transformers discourse so you know like how it's uh and those who are they're just kind of shit happening but like it's it's the such a um again the lizard brain lizard brain move the vibes of it all makes it interesting as opposed to the kind of the grace ludge of a common blockbuster um so i don't knowing that though i don't want to i don't want to discount people who have are living through now in very very distressing times you know we, we've talked about this on the show, in, in very serious in gravity, but all like you know, having to have your our children, our children and our nieces and and have to live through mass shooting drills, like that's a thing now, you know, like this this is the kind of this stuff fucks you up. So I, I don't want to discount the people who are going through that stuff and to see like stuff that's unhinged on on, on movies and they react negatively. I, I want to I don't want to discount that. I want to say that, but uh, that I'll say you know that I'm you're not. I, I know what I'm saying. I'm not a fucking idiot, you know. <laughs> so you know, I do. I'm, I'm trying to like you know bridge the gap here, I guess. So I'll as I keep talking shit online, I do want to get more into kind of bridging that gap. But still, you know, you can't say shit to me. <laughs> this is kind of one of the things that I deal with a lot too when I get some of the pushback on some of the stuff I say, which is I don't like using appeals to authority. You know, I, I think that's kind of ridiculous, but. Guys, I'm 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 not a fucking idiot here. I went to law school and everything. You know, like I kind of fucking know what I'm talking about. I've got a master's in political theory. I'm not a moron. So, like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like people sometimes try and push back on me, and I'm just like, you're fucking wrong. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel I feel you on that one, Vice. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's probably our angry tangent. Liam, you want to jump in on the angry tangent? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I think it's all, it's all, you know, vice is, is opening up in, in, in a really interesting thing to think about, you know, and, and even what we said about revisionism and what you believe at different times in your life and you come back to, and your values change and, and yeah, I mean, there, there were, it, there was a lot of time uh, to me, you know, specifically like coming up and working in that early Fox. And I've talked about that where it was kind of like, ah, fuck the fans. We'll just figure out what it is. And then the MCU was like, no, 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 the fans 
or who we serve and just these different values that have continued to to change the way this mass media is made and i don't know i think i think we're in kind of an interesting place right now because it's sort of it's sort of the end of uh of one wave and and no one really knows what the next wave is and so um you know i i, I think i think that's an interesting time to be watching things to be interacting with them and to you know be figuring out what your value sets are um you know um speaking of youtubers um i i had a long talk this week with uh eric uh jacobus who we're hoping to get on uh this show uh sometime soon and he is Dan, not our elusive guest just so people know he's not our he's not the elusive. he's not our elusive guest no this is a random just uh a mutual friend reached out and said you guys should talk that guy's a fucking Jedi. <laughs> Very interesting energy right away to be like, oh, this person's smarter than me. I'm going to listen more than talk. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we spoke for an hour just about um, different things that in our careers and what we're working on. And 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 it was it was a really great conversation to think about. And I was recontextualizing different things we talked about on here and what we said. You know, the obvious ingredients of what's working in action around the world right now and how it is longer schedules and, and how do you achieve that? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's all, it's all part of a, a healthy dialogue that we're all going through. And um, yeah, I, I, I said, I don't know if it was the beginning of the show before um, we were recording. I don't know if it'll be the cold open or not, but I've been watching a lot of NBA basketball and I've been enjoying LeBron James's fuck them kids energy because I'm a cranky <laughs> old man. And I like that. He's just shutting down the next generation. And he's, it's like uh Denzel. He's like, I, I, I ain't dead yet. Motherfucker. You know, like I'm still the king. <laughs> so I don't know that. I think that's us. We're in our forties. We're still, we're, we're, we're the lion in winter, but you know, it, it fucking the year ain't over yet. So you know, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And uh, well, and that's, that's part of it too, is, is just, uh, you know, we, we like talking about this stuff. We, we like, you know, we started this podcast and we didn't expect to get like two listeners. <laughs> and so I do sometimes forget that we have actual people that listen to what we say. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no, we're actually idiots. Like, like, we're, we're <laughs> don't listen to us. Um, like, I have had people, you know, when I don't like a movie, people are like, they're like actually hurt that I don't like the movie. And I'm like, why? Why? I'm a like, like, I like fucking Highlander Endgame. I'm a moron. Like, why? Airborne is one of my favorite movies of all time. I have no credibility here. Don't fucking listen to me. <laughs> you just a minute ago you said I'm a fucking um I'm the doctor of justice. Well <laughs> me is a little different. That's what I'm talking about sociopolitical terms online. Okay. You have meaning. Yes, in that particular case, I do know what I'm fucking talking about. When it comes to whether you like a movie or not, though, I'm a moron. I don't know what I'm talking about. So uh, you know, it is it is what it is. Half the time it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. So. No, and 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 you know, we listen to. I don't know. Do you guys listen to every show that we record? Not everyone. No, I, I I do. I listen to every show, and so that it's part of a feedback loop for me because, you know, I started this show and it was like okay, you know, possibly doing a cover sniper movie. You know, I I don't know if I ever specifically said that that was going to be with Scott Atkins, but it was, and so we're going to have this behind the scenes stuff. 
And then as the show's been going on and different fluctuations, it's like, I, I want to be honest with everybody and talk about the ups and downs of the process. And that includes like, there's the best news of your entire career for two months and then it never gets announced. And then it's just this bad news thing. And so I want to share that stuff, but I hate listening to this show when I'm whining about my career. So I, I it's like, I want to kill myself when I see that. And, and the worst thing ever is when other people feel bad for me and want to reach out. It's like I was saying to Vice today, I'm like, I am the luckiest person alive, yet also the world's biggest loser. Those two things are true and they also happen. But if anyone ever feels bad for me or if that like what I'm saying feels like I want people's pity, I'd, I'd rather just crawl into the ground right now. I, that's not, so, so I, I'm trying to figure out a way because I do think being honest about the ups and downs is helpful because we're all going through it all the time and it's helpful for me, but I don't feel like I'm, I I'm able to properly discuss it yet. So I just wanted to put that out there to listeners. I'm working on it because I don't like, I don't want to, I don't want to ever make it. If you guys ever feel like I sound like I'm I'm uh, wallowing in self-pity or want you to feel bad for me, uh, turn the show off because that is not what I want. I just want to be able to um, share those things so that if everyone else in, in their lives or in their careers is feeling something similar, can know that it's okay and that you got to keep pushing through. So um, that that's kind of a, a, a meta thing that I've just been trying to think about on how I can evolve on the show and talk about those things without being so specific project to project, because sometimes I just feel like I'm eating my words when things don't work out and stuff like that. I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up, to be honest with you. That, that was well said, Liam. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I know sometimes that sounds like I'm whining here too. I, I'm try, I really try not to, I promise. I just, these are your <laughs> And so sometimes I, get caught up talking to you guys like that's just half the time that's just what it is half the time i'm just like fuck i just talking to my boys oh shit we're recording you know so anyway let's wrap yes yes it's the free is is the cheapest therapy that we have (laughs) vice where can people find you ah as always i'm on instagram at wife just looking hot um yeah like i said i'm an old man but uh yes i still play bitches (laughs) no (laughs) that's that that's terrible I'm an old happily married man, uh, living a good life, uh, you know, uh, living well, trying to live well, and, you know, do well for others. So uh, hopefully I can do that better. But also I'm enjoying life too. So I'm on there. Oh, I'm on Letterboxd at my fitness. You can see my review of The Covenant there as well. Um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to be smart there and uh, put my, uh, I sound like an idiot here, but I, I promise you, like I said, I'm smart sometimes. So that's, where, that's where I'm the most, the smartest is on Letterboxd. And as always, when we talk about Michael Bay, Transformers, shitty movies, great movies that you think are shitty, but you're not because you're wrong, I'm on Twitter at Mike Vistis until it blows up, talking all the shit. Yeah, Liam, did you get your Blue Sky invite yet? Vice, how about you? I, I have not. I've not. I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget it is. Yeah, I got the, uh, the, 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 what, the Bumblebee, Bumblebee, the Hornet, the, the B1. Hive? Was it Hive? Uh, yeah, hi. Haven't I been on that there. since since the day I yes. made my account. Since that day, yep. Uh, Liam, where can people find you? Twitter and Instagram, Liam Odin for now. 
And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hobashi Justice. You can find the show on Twitter at A4E Podcast. You've also got a Linktree, uh, Linktree slash A4E Podcast. You're listening to the show, so you know it can be found anywhere podcasts can be heard. Uh, boys, love you. Let's do this again next week. Peace. Bye-bye.